Hi everybody and welcome back for another round of There I Read It where I'm reading the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter for the first time ever in my existence. Why you may ask? Well, because the internet kind of bullied me into it. Really, I was in high school when the movies first started coming out, so I thought it was going to be a fad that would pass, and so I didn't want to get into it. But now that I do video essays on all kinds of magical and sci-fi kind of things, people are flat out furious that I've never read these books. Anyways, that's kind of a weird thing to put now that we're about to cover chapter 14 of the Chamber of Secrets, because honey, if you're joining us right now, you have got a load of other videos to catch up on first. But who am I to say? Maybe chapter 14 is your jam. And this chapter, called Cornelius Fudge, is dealing with the aftermath of Harry finding out that Hagrid was the last owner of the chamber monster. Well, at least he is allegedly. I have a feeling we're gonna do a switcheroo before the end of this book. Anyways, on to my notes. As was discovered in chapter 13, Harry goes to tell Hermione and Ron that in the diary, Harry found out that Hagrid was the one taking care of the chamber monster, and they're all kind of discussing how that fits Hagrid's M.O. because he just loves animals, he loves taking care of things. So as a kid, if Hagrid had heard about some rare hidden monster in some secret chamber, of course he would have stopped at nothing to try and track it down and tame it as a pet. It reminds me of that old, old, old South Park episode where they made fun of Steve Irwin and they're like, oh, here's a snake, I'm gonna stick my thumb up its butt. You know, just anything that character could do to agitate the animals, I kind of feel like Hagrid's in that position. Not to say that Hagrid doesn't take good care of his animals, but yeah, it's just sort of like, I'm gonna love you whether you want it or not. Like Elmira from Tiny Toon Adventures. Anyways, the trio goes on to discuss that the attacks on the Hogwarts students had to have stopped when Hagrid was expelled, or else they don't think that Tom Riddle would have gotten accolades in trophy format. So for the trophy to exist, of Tom Riddle and how did they put that? Yeah, TM Riddle got an award for special services to the school. So that award wouldn't have really been given or existed if the attacks didn't stop when Hagrid was sent away. But I do want to keep in mind that this entire book has shown us how Harry is in the wrong place at the wrong time getting blamed and accused. So I really think that's the direction it's going to go with Hagrid. I don't have any nasty vibes from Hagrid at all. So if he turns out to be a bad guy, I'm just going to be flabbergasted. But I do think Harry being accused of all these petrifications when he's innocent. I, I think it's really put in there to help lead us to see how, yeah, it looks bad for Hagrid, but we've already learned that looking bad and doing bad are not the same thing. So I believe in Mama Hagrid. And now it's March at the school and several of the Mandrakes are throwing a party, which is really telling me that these creatures are very, very, very sentient. Mandrakes are not plant-like at all, and it is really starting to freak me out that they want to blend them up to make potions when they they seem to have their own lives going on. And the mandrakes, they're not even like a, a sheep or a cow or a pig, you know, something you might slaughter and eat that does have a certain level of intelligence. No, no, it's explicitly stated that the mandrakes will be fully mature when they try to move into each other's pots, which 
sounds to me like the Mandrakes are trying to pair off and get married. And I don't know, but that level of higher thinking is really freaking me out that wizards assert their dominance over these Mandrakes and then kill them. These descriptions of Mandrakes do not give me warm and fuzzies for wizards at all. But onto lighter topics, it is time to pick next year's classes and third years get to add on extra courses in addition to their required courses like potions and defense against the dark arts. So third years are given the option to kind of get electives. And Hermione, being a girl after my own heart who can't pick a topic, she signs up for every single elective that Hogwarts has to offer. I don't know how that's gonna work, but she's gonna make it work, dagnabbit. And some of the options for extra courses, as explained by Percy, are... I'm not not sure if that's divination or divination. I don't know where you would accent that word, but it, it's something to do with being able to predict the future. Then there's also muggle studies and care of magical creatures. But instead of thinking for himself, Harry just decides to copy whatever Ron's schedule is because then that way, if he's not good at it, at least he has a buddy in class. And I can kind of see where a kid who grew up not really feeling included or wanted, where they would not not know what to do with themselves. You know, your brain hasn't fully developed into figuring out how to see down the road and look around corners until you're about 25. So at 10 to 12 years old, yeah, I can see Harry being like, uh, I'll do whatever, who cares? But in another sense, it does make me really sad that Harry doesn't care about his future enough to kind of figure it out, or at least to start thinking about it in a more broader context, because he should know Hogwarts is not going to last forever. And unless the seventh book ends with Harry taking over as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, um, yeah, he really needs to figure out something to do with his life. Not that I'm in any position whatsoever to judge. I mean, I majored in film studies and then went for a master's in animation. And I've been hired exactly zero times in those fields. So, you know, dreams aren't everything. Even when you have a dream job, it doesn't always work out for everybody. Still though, show me something, Harry. Show me some level of care about yourself. Although I guess... On the other hand, it does show a really interesting bondedness to Ron that he just copied Ron's work because it doesn't say that Ron just randomly picked courses. You know, Ron seems to know what he wants to do even though it hasn't directly stated that. And Harry just wants to follow him because he loves Ron, he loves Ron's family, he just... Harry knows what he wants out of his future is for Ron to be there. So I, I, I guess when I pick it apart like that, it is kind of sweet in its own way. But... Da, 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 oh! Harry goes back to his bedroom area and all of his possessions have been ransacked, everything is thrown everywhere, and the diary is missing, which means a Gryffindor must have stolen it because only Gryffindors know how to get into the Gryffindor common room and dorm rooms. So the mystery has gotten even more proper. And then Harry starts to hear that voice again that nobody else can hear. It says, kill this time, let me rip, tear. 
and he's freaking out but ultimately doesn't find anything going on. Then at the Gryffindor versus Hufflepuff match, McGarnagle runs out onto the field and cancels it before it gets to start. And the match gets cancelled because a sixth-year Ravenclaw student and Hermione got found petrified. And McGarnagle shows Harry and Ron this small circular mirror and they say, Okay, we found this near the victims, but we don't know what it's for, do you? And Ron and Harry, honestly for once, say they have no idea. It kind of makes me wonder though, with all the different mythologies that Rowling uses in the Harry Potter universe, I'm thinking back to the old legend of Medusa and how she was defeated because the fighting person, gosh, I am so good at Greek mythology as you can see. The person who took her down didn't look her in the eyes, he looked at her reflection in a shield and then I think he got her to look at herself with the reflection, something like that. And Medusa does turn people into stone so I wonder if that's gonna be the twist, like it's a Medusa snake or Medusa monster that's hurting everyone. So a proper mystery has added a new layer, <laughs> But because now more students have have been attacked, there is super strict rules, Hogwarts might get closed down, but until the school is officially closed down, all of the students are on lockdown starting at 6 p.m. There is no bathroom break without a teacher present. You can't go to your classes without a teacher. And all events, activities, whatever, are put on hold until further notice. And the kids in the Gryffindor house are starting to do the math and they're going, wait a minute, we've got two Gryffindors that have been hurt, one Ravenclaw, one Hufflepuff, and zero Slytherin. So obviously they're behind it. And the Ravenclaw girl that was found next to her Hermione petrified is Penelope Clearwater and Percy is just a wreck because she was also a prefect and Percy was so certain that prefects were safe. I really wondered where Percy got that idea that nobody would ever hurt a prefect. I mean, I could see it in the sense of if it was a student attack, they would have to respect the authority of a prefect, but this is a monster. I don't know where Percy grew up, but it seems like an office building and not the real wizarding world. Like, what is this kid's problem? And then we have another instance in the book where Harry is sort of feeling empathetic towards the other people who are hurt, but then he twists that back around to feeling sorry for himself. And he's in his mind going, oh my gosh, if the school closes down, then I have to go back to the Dursleys and I might have to be there full time. And I don't think I could take that. It's as bad as when Tom Riddle thought he'd have to go live in the Muggle orphanage over the summer. It just, this is horrible. Poor me. And in fact, Harry gets so distraught that he pulls out the cloak of invisibility and decides to go do a little snooping of his own. So Harry and Ron get inside of the invisibility cloak and they're headed to Hagrid's hut to kind of question him and like, what's going on? Are you at this again? But Hagrid answers the door with a crossbow and he just seems so overly anxious while the boys are there. And it turns out there's pretty good reason for it. A few minutes after Ron and Harry come inside, all of a sudden, knock, 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 here's Dumbledore and Cornelius Fudge. And Fudge turns out to be the flippin' minister of magic. He is like the head honcho of all of the UK magic magicing stuff. And of course the kids 
have already hidden back under their cloak, so nobody knows that they're there. Which means the adults talk freely, and that gets a little bit uh, freaky crazy, because Fudge, who seems like a bit of a whimpering, sniveling politician type, he's all twerked up that he has to be seen doing something about all the student petrifications, which implies to me that the Minister of Magic is an elected position, because otherwise Fudge wouldn't care if he was appointed as the minister, he could do what he pleased and not have to worry about repercussions or voters or being overthrown or whatever else. So minister has to be an elected official, I do believe. And it turns out that the school governors are pushing for Hagrid to be sent to Azkaban. And if you weren't with me a few chapters ago, Azkaban is the wizarding prison, which is supposed to be a very horrible place. So Hagrid is like, no, 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 I didn't do anything. You can't send me there. And Fudge is over there like, oh honey, it's just a precaution. It's no big deal. It's not a punishment. You know, once we clear your name, we'll get you right out of there. And, and I don't know. That just seems like a horrible, horrible thing. You know, I, I'm in the good old US of A where you are innocent until proven guilty. And even if the court of public opinion believes that you're guilty, they can't do anything. They can't send you to jail over it on a whim. And apparently those are not the same kind of privileges that they enjoy in the wizarding world. So, ooh. It kind of makes me wonder though, too, if Hagrid can be sent to Azkaban for doing nothing, or at least nothing that they can prove. I I do believe Hagrid's innocent, but you know, nobody can prove he did anything. Then I wonder how many other wizards are being sent to Azkaban wrongfully or for things that don't even make sense. You know, with the issue being that most wizards can't use logic, it does seem a little kooky dooks that they could have a prison system and just throw you in there arbitrarily. However, we are not done with the surprises at Hagrid's hut because knock knock again, here is Lucius Malfoy. And Lucius is there with an order of suspension to remove Dumbledore as headmaster of Hogwarts. And this order is signed by all 12 governors of Hogwarts. Apparently it's the job of the governors to appoint or remove the headmaster. So that is no joke. And I know governors of Hogwarts was mentioned earlier, but I really didn't have a concept of what that meant. But I guess equivalency wise, they would be like a school board who appoints a principal. And Hagrid's getting really mad. Like he's more mad about Dumbledore getting fired than being sent to Azkaban himself. But Dumbledore's like, well, I'll peacefully comply. If this is what the governors want, then that's what I'll do. And he says, let me pull this out. It's at the bottom of page 263, if you're reading the original Scholastic paperback. However, said Dumbledore, speaking very slowly and clearly so that none of them could miss a word, you will find that I will only truly have left this school when none here are loyal to me. You will also find that help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. And Harry could swear that Dumbledore was looking right at where they were standing with the invisibility cloak, but surely that had to be a coincidence because he can't see through that, right? I don't know, I'm pretty confident that Dumbledore can. He was the one hanging onto that cloak for decades, so I'm sure he has some enchantment or something on it to where he can see through it even if nobody else can. So Dumbledore leaves, Malfoy leaves, and it's just Cornelius Fudge trying to escort Hagrid out 
out, and Hagrid, trying to follow the same kind of fashion as Dumbledore, says, and this is towards the middle of page 264, if anyone wanted to find out some stuff, all they'd have to do is follow the spiders. That'd lead them right, that's all I'm saying. Fudge stared at him in amazement, which you can't blame him, that's such a random thing to just call out. Like, maybe Hagrid is crazy, maybe we are doing a public service. Towards the bottom of page 264. All right, I'm coming, said Hagrid, pulling on his moleskin overcoat. But as he was about to follow Fudge through the door, he stopped again and said loudly, and someone will need to feed Fang while I'm away. <laughs> So, see, I mean, even when he's about to go to probably the worst place a wizard can go, he's still thinking about his animals and wanting them to be taken care of. So, uh, Hagrid's a sweetie. I don't think he did anything wrong. Well, he probably did something wrong, but not something, like, hurt people wrong. Whatever that spider thing was, I, I don't think I'm gonna be a fan of it. But I think it's such a cute little Hagrid-y touch that he'd be like, oh, I have to go now, please feed my dog. And it does show a lack of thought process on the wizard side again because yeah if Hagrid is the animal caretaker at Hogwarts then who do they have lined up to take care of the animals in his absence? Maybe it's something that Fudge expected Dumbledore to handle but nobody seemed to step up and want to deal with it once Dumbledore was walking away too. Definitely an interesting weird chapter and I'd be curious what your thoughts are on all of that between Harry not knowing how to decide his future and Cornelius Fudge walking in kind of feeling imbecilic. Like, he doesn't feel like a very respectable figure. And I do remember in the first book, Hagrid was like, oh yeah, Fudge is on the phone with Dumbledore all the time. He doesn't know how to do his job. He's always relying on Dumbledore. And I don't know that I see it to that level yet because Fudge is very clearly making his own decision, whereas Dumbledore's like, I believe in Hagrid. I have confidence he didn't do anything. I think sending him to Azkaban is not the right course of action and Fudge is doing it anyway because, of course, he's worried about keeping his job. But I think that's enough discussion today. Make sure you guys chime in and let me know what you think. And otherwise, we'll see you next week in the next chapter. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss it. Thanks for watching. Bye! Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.